Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Hey guys, it's great to be with you uh, today. Um, yeah, Vision Sunday is one of like the peaks of the year. We do it, yeah, a few times and it's just great. I love Vision Sunday because we get to gather around uh, what it's all about, remind ourselves, refresh our memories about what it's all about. So should we, should we pray together? Uh, Lord, we wanna thank you that um, you have a vision for each of our lives that you have called us out of darkness and into your light. Lord, you have a vision for us as individuals, but also you've got a vision for us as a community, as a church family. And Lord, as we remind ourselves of that again, would you speak to us individually, but also collectively as a church family? For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, I want to begin by talking to you about perception. Now, I have it on good authority that the legs of an owl are actually over half the length of the total owl. Like, I want to just unpack this a little bit, you know, just spend some time. On good authority, I have this, that an owl's legs are actually very long. Did anybody know that? Some of you did. Some of you are like those bird people. But I thought that owls had incredibly short legs because you can, all you can see at the bottom of their legs is their feet. Can't really see their legs. I don't even, even think they had legs. I thought you just had two feet at the bottom. But actually, turns out, lo and behold, owls have got very long legs. They're just covered by their feathers. Did, who knew that? Who knew that? Hands up if you knew that. A lot of you did, but a lot of you didn't. So you've learned something today. And I think that's an interesting thing to just dwell upon. Why? Because it's about perception. Because sometimes what looks clear from the outside is totally different under the feathers, if I can put it like that. And I want to talk to you today about your perception of us as a church. Who are we? What are we doing here? Why do we gather here every Sunday? What's our vision and what is it all about? Vision is the art of seeing that which is invisible to other people. Okay, vision is about seeing a future that we can't currently see at the moment. Vision is all about something that's ahead of us in front that we're working towards and we're moving towards. And today's Vision Sunday for us as a church, so we get this opportunity to gather around the vision. And one of our, our core texts, if you like, one of the texts that we regularly go back to from the Bible uh, as a church family is in Isaiah 61, verses one to three. And, and that's what I want to, to read today and for us to think about. And this is a significant passage. Why? Well, when Jesus began his ministry, after he'd been in the wilderness and the desert for 40 days and 40 nights without food or water, he spends that 40 days, that 40 nights fasting. He comes out of the desert and then he goes to his hometown, to the synagogue, and it's his turn to read the scriptures. 
And the scriptures that he reads are from Isaiah 61. And in these words, Jesus says, I fulfill these words. I am what these words are, are about. So let me read these words to you. This is Isaiah 61, beginning to read from verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love that passage. There's so much in it. And like I said, it's significant because Jesus opens this text and he says, in essence, these words are about me. Now, if this is Jesus's vision, if this is his manifesto for his ministry, then it's also our manifesto. It's our vision. It's the vision that we want to see because we follow him. So I want to talk to you today about three things we see in this passage. Three things that are key for you and for us as a community to get hold of. And the first is this. It's the simple conviction that the gospel changes people. The gospel changes people. The word gospel means good news. And the good news is all about what Jesus has done for us. I love that in this passage, a key distinctive feature of the people of God is that they proclaim good news. Verse one, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, if you've been anointed and set apart by Jesus, then you are a proclaimer of good news. That is what we are all about as believers in Jesus. We're called to proclaim good news. That's what we're here to do. It's the call of every believer in Jesus. This is a great question to ask yourself sometimes, like how is my life good news to other people? Because we're all called to live lives that proclaim this good news in word and deed. Like the words that we, sh we say should be good news. The words that we speak should bring life and hope and healing and restoration. The actions that we take on a day-by-day -day basis should proclaim that good news. And, and I guess for many of us, that's our story, isn't it? Like at some point, you like me perhaps walked into a church or at some point in your life, the penny dropped and you encountered that good news. Perhaps you saw it in the lives of your friends or your family and you encountered something of the good news of Jesus. That's my story. I didn't grow up going to church. But the, the experience of meeting Christians 
for the first time, of belonging to a church family, of feeling known and, and needed and part of something, was, was such a good news experience. I remember meeting those, uh, those other Christians in that church and, and just getting to know them and encountering in them the good news of the gospel. Like, being a follower of Jesus didn't seem like something heavy. Sometimes I think perhaps people's perception, perhaps my perception before I walked into that church and became a Christian was that following Jesus or being a Christian wasn't about good news. Perhaps it was about a whole list of things that you couldn't do or a dry rule book to follow or some kind of like uh, restrictive safety net to spoil all the fun in life. But I tell you what, when I walked through the doors of those churches, a young person aged 18, that wasn't what I experienced. It was of love and acceptance and a God in heaven who loved me and had a purpose for my life. And I tell you what, that's good news. That's good news. And that is incredibly attractive to every single person uh, that you know, that I know. And I guess that's what we've all encountered how many of, of us here, uh, just by show of hands, like um, perhaps became a Christian later in life? Like you didn't grow up as a Christian, perhaps you didn't grow up going to church. How many of us sort of came to faith, started coming to church like as, as an adult? There's, there's, there's quite a few, quite a few hands. You encountered that. You perhaps met a Christian friend, or watched something on the internet, or went to a church and encountered the person of Jesus and the life-transforming power of the gospel. And there's nothing better than, you know, thing that we can do as those who have received good news than to extend that good news to other people as well. That's why we're so passionate about creating Alpha and Alpha being a space where people can come and encounter the person of Jesus. Because when they do, they they experience something, something of the good news. And that's a conviction that we're, we're absolutely committed to here at the Minster. It's what we're all about. The conviction that the gospel changes lives. That the gospel is good news for every single man, woman and child in Preston, the Northwest, the nation and the world. Jesus is good news and the gospel today still changes lives. You know, if you read the papers, you would believe that perhaps the church is just in this state of endless decline. But there is a different narrative that God has for us. And it's a narrative where the gospel changes lives. Where people today... Your friends that you work with, and you go to university with, and you're at school with, the people that you live alongside, they're open. Their only hope is Jesus. The gospel is the thing they need. The gospel changes lives. And secondly, changed people, people who have been changed by the gospel, revitalize the church. That's our Another conviction that we hold fast to here at the Minster. Changed people revitalize the church. You don't need some big management strategy to revitalize the church. Just invite people to come to know Jesus. The church will revitalize itself. It's not rocket science. Changed people revitalize the church. It says in verse 3 of these people, of you and I, of people who have come to know Jesus. It says that they will be called oaks of righteousness. 
I don't know much about plants and trees and stuff, but an oak of righteousness sounds pretty solid, pretty attractive, pretty firm, pretty rooted and established. They will be called, you will be called an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. Why? For the display of his splendor. We're rooted, we're planted, we're established in order that we might display his splendor. Now that goes against the grain of our human instincts. You see, humans by nature are centripetal. What do I mean by that? Bringing in some big words today. Bringing in some big centripetal. Humans are centripetal, okay? Centripetal force. This is a little bit of a science lesson for you. I used to be a mechanic. We knew we did all these things at college, I remember. Centripetal force. It kind of directs motion inwards. And I think as humans, that's our base instinct. We're, we all think about ourselves. We're all like self-conscious. We're all thinking about our own priorities and we're kind of looking inward and we're thinking about what it means for me and we're thinking about what I'm interested in, what I care about and stuff like that. Humans are central, centripetal, no more so than teenagers. I mean, when you're a teenager, you know what it's like and the teenagers are not here at this moment in time. You know what it's like when you're a teenager. You're just so focused on yourself. You think that everybody is looking at you and cares what you wear and cares what you're doing, who you're talking to, who you're hanging out with. I used to be such an insecure teenager. I'm, I'm obviously massively secure these days, obviously. But I used to be a massively uh, insecure teenager. So much so that, and Hannah can attest to this, I used to, I used to resist, I used to hate turning around in the street, just unexpectedly. I'd be walking down the street and uh, we're walking down the street. Hannah, very secure, would be like, oh, we've missed our turn and we need to turn around. I'm like, I'm not turning around in the street. What, just stop and turn around in the street? I'm not mad. We'll walk all the way around the block and come back like normal people. I thought that's what everybody did. As if anybody cares about me turning around in the street. I'm, I'm glad to tell you today. Can I get a witness? This is a testimony of God's goodness. God has broken the shackles of me being scared to turn around the street. I can do it now without fear of what people think. And, uh, and the Lord can do the same for you today. I'm gonna have an altar call, I'm just joking. Um, but you know, I think as humans, we're centripetal. We're centripetal. Our attention naturally drifts inwards. Humans are like that. The church can be like that too. It's so hard in church life to keep the emphasis on the outward. We're here to bring people to know Jesus. But church life, and I guess human nature, always tries to drag us inwards. But the thing is, we don't want to be centripetal. We want to be centrifugal. Okay, it's the second big word for you. Centrifugal force propels outward. And that, friends, is what Jesus does. You see, when we encounter the person of Jesus, you see it time and time again. The resurrection encounters, the, the disciples and the women come to Jesus and he says, go and tell. Jesus is all about centrifugal force. He wants to commission us and empower us to go and to be his hands and feet in the places that he's called us to be. See, an encounter with the person of Jesus never leaves us focusing inward. It leaves us focusing outward and being propelled uh, to the others uh, in, in need. So we want to be those who embody the commission of Jesus, the great commission, the commission to go 
and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like I said, the, the church pull is always inwards. And uh, this is some of the things that you do get in, in church life quite a lot. Sometimes people come to church and they're like, why can't the talks be meatier and longer? But then you also get sometimes people who are like, why can't the talks be shorter and lighter? Why can't the worship be longer? And some people say, why can't the worship be shorter? And some people say, why do you make such a big deal about Alpha? And some people say, why do you, you don't make enough of a big deal about evangelism? And Alpha. Do you know what I mean? And some people say, why doesn't the church focus on, and then, you know, fill in the blank of your pet passion? Why doesn't the church talk more about this or do more about that? You see, sometimes when we think about church life, it pulls us naturally inwards. And I want to say very clearly this morning that you are the church. You are the church. Don't have that third party mentality where you stand as a third party and kind of look at the church and be like, the church should really do something about fill in the blank of whatever it is you're passion, passionate about. You are the church of Jesus Christ. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You can make a difference in the place and the places that he's called you to be. Jesus wants to use you to make him known. You are the church. You can be the change. I love that in verse three, it talks about those who are sent out by the Lord. It says, they proclaim good news and they're planted out. They're sent to display his splendor. That's you. You have good news to proclaim. You are a carrier of good news. You're sent, planted out to display his splendor. That's you as an individual, but that's also us as a church. We are, if I can say it as, as sort of emphatically as I can, we are obsessed with people coming to know Jesus. We want every person to know the love of Jesus. That's why we've been planted here, not to be centripetal, but to be centrifugal, to be sent out to display his splendor. And we will not do absolutely everything. A very important sort of statement in our vision statement is we want to play our part. We want to recognize that we are not the solution to all of the problems in Preston. There are lots and lots of churches doing lots and lots of things really, really well. And we want to focus on doing what God has called us to do here. Not to duplicate what other churches are doing or to do things just for the sake of it because it looks good or it's good PR. We're not interested in any of that at all. We want to do what we see the Father doing. We want to do what God has called us to do. And we want to do it incredibly well. We're here to proclaim good news, to proclaim the gospel. So the gospel changes people. Changed people revitalize the church. And finally, a revitalized church will transform a nation. Just going back to verse one again, just notice who it is that received the transformation. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And imagine Jesus saying this and imagine you making this your life's goal. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. And, and who is it to? It's to the poor. 
He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. It's those in our society who are the last, the least, and the lost. Jesus has sent us as his people to those people. That's something that, that's a call on your life. And it's a reminder not to let that third party mentality sink in and just almost abdicate your responsibility, saying that, you know, perhaps the church should do something about that. You are the church. God has called you to do something about that. And this is what the church has always done. Hospitals were founded by the church. Schools, education facilities. You cannot walk around Preston. Preston makes absolutely no sense at all as a city without understanding the good news of Jesus Christ. This city was founded upon deep and rich Christian principles and there is a deep, deep Christian heritage in this city. The coat of arms has a badge, a lamb on it with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, underneath. This city is saturated in a rich Christian heritage. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's the declaration over this city. And historically, Christians have always been on the forefront of reaching out to the last and the least and the lost, establishing hospitals, establishing schools. Like the university here in Preston has... Christian roots. There are so many Christian education institutions still being advocates for those who are either enslaved or those who have their rights withdrawn from them. Christians have always been on the forefront of proclaiming that good news, the good news of the gospel to those who are the last, the least, and the lost in our society. And that's the pattern. That's the pattern that we see. The gospel changes individuals. You are someone who the gospel has transformed. And then changed people revitalize the church. That's the pattern. It's what happens as people come to Jesus. Their lives are transformed. The church is transformed. And as the church is revitalized, society is transformed. Does that sequence make sense to you? Is that kind of coming over? Because I feel like that's such a key thing to get. The gospel changes people, change people, revitalize the church. And as the church is revitalized, the nation will be transformed in Jesus' name. That is our vision. That is our prayer. That is our hope. That is our ambition under God to bring people to Jesus, to see the church revitalized, to see society impacted. And when we came to Preston, we didn't really know what that looked like for us in a practical way when it came to kind of social transformation. There's a lot of pressure on us, as there often is on churches, to, to do things. The Minster in its early days was funded quite significantly by the Church of England and the Diocese of Blackburn. And a big question over the whole project was like, what are you guys going to do in terms of social outreach and contributing towards the social renewal of Preston? And it was so tempting just to do something for the sake of it. But we recognized coming into Preston that there are honestly so many churches doing amazing work that most of us don't even see on a regular basis. 
There's a project called Love Preston that Freedom Church run, giving out meals every Tuesday from the Catholic Church just down the road. There are two churches in our city that are doing significant work helping people in debt get out of debt, Crossgate and Forward Free Methodist Church. The Salvation Army do amazing work with people who are in need of food. The Foxton Centre, which has got Christian roots, helps people with, uh, who are in homelessness and so on. There are so many amazing churches and charities doing amazing work um, in, in Preston. And we didn't want to just come and just duplicate what others were already doing. We wanted to know what the Father was calling us to do. And as we got to know our community so much more over COVID, we literally rocked up 2019, then COVID struck, and we were in COVID for a long period of time. But we felt like we got to know our community so well. And one of the problems that came up time and time again, and statistics back this up, is that unemployment is a significant factor in our city. In the Northwest, unemployment is higher than the national average. So we started something called Rework, and then we, which helps people get back into employment, and it went really well. And then we started to dream, well, what could that look like if we had somebody on staff full-time, and we could do Rework full-time? So then we brought somebody on staff full-time, Laura Fraser, and uh, started to do Rework in a bigger way. And again, seeing the transformation in people's, young people's lives particularly, it was really, really amazing. And then now we're moving into something called SPEAR and building towards establishing a SPEAR center, somewhere young people can come and have their lives transformed by being able to get back into employment. You see, we're not able to sort every single social problem in Preston, but we can play our part. You can play your part. And God has called you to be his hands and feet, to make a difference in the places and the people that you live uh, around. The gospel changes lives. Changed people revitalize the church. A revitalized church will change the nation. So if revitalized churches change the nation, then we need more transformed churches. We need more transport. Or maybe we should drive around with a loudspeaker like that car. That'd be a good idea, actually. Write that down, Tim. Um, we need more revitalized, transformed churches. So we are really excited to announce today that we are planting again. So we planted last uh, summer. Jason and Rachel, who were on the team here, took a small team off to Blackburn to revitalize St. Luke's Blackburn. And it's amazing to see the growth in that church. Last Sunday, I was at uh, St. John's Blackpool. And there's a couple there called Andy and Nick Dykes. They were set to come here at the Minster, but we were able to play our part again, a small part in, in helping them uh, go to, to Blackpool. And it was great to be there last Sunday to see the church full to see people who were here for a short time, Alan and Bev and uh, Sam and Heather and, and others who were here for a time over in, in Blackpool, revitalizing that church. It's amazing to see that. And we're really excited today to be able to announce that we are planting again, this time more locally in St. James Avonham. So St. James Avonham is just uh, to the south of the Minster down here. Avonham is... 
in the top percentile for the most deprived wards in Preston. It's on an area of urban deprivation. Uh, if you see the sort of yellow flats out the back here, it is that area there. And we want to be good news to the people of Avon, and we want them to know that Jesus loves them, that the gospel can change their lives. So I'm incredibly excited to announce today that we have Stephen Lucinda-Smith, if you guys would stand, who will be taking uh, a small team. Give them a round of applause. Amazing. <laughs> Stephen Lucinda-Smith, who will be gathering uh, a small team uh, from the Minster here to go down to, to St. James's and uh, to work with the small congregation that there is there, but to really uh, be a, a light and, and a presence in that community so that people can come to know Jesus uh, in, in Avonham more easily. So it's amazing to think of how far we've come. It's coming into land. Three years ago, this church really was a blank canvas. Over many years, it had declined. Uh, going back a few years ago, the, the average Sunday attendance here was about 20 on a, on a Sunday morning. And to think what God has done in such a short space of time, it's not even been three years yet. Being able to plant in Blackburn and play a part planting in Blackpool, to have Stephen Lucinda going off to St. James's, more church plants in the, in the pipeline, uh, the Spear Center, uh, becoming a reality and moving forward to becoming more of a reality in the future. It's amazing to hear of the lives that are transformed. We'll celebrate that next Sunday, a baptism Sunday, as we see people, uh, young and old, be baptized, marking that significant uh, moment in their faith. And it is great just to, just to look back and think of all that God's done. There's challenges, there are difficulties, there are gaps. We need more space, we need more money, we need more progress, we need more people, we need more people serving. There's always, always gaps. But the good news is the gospel is still changing lives today, here in Preston, right at the heart of Preston. The church is being revitalized and society is and will be, continue to be impacted. So just as we finish, I want to encourage you to step into this. Perhaps you've been around the Minster for a while, but you just feel like you're just a body. You've just, you're just attending. You're not necessarily have given your yes that you're in. Well, I want to encourage you today. You have a part to play. This is not something that I or just the staff team or a small number of committed volunteers can do. This is everybody playing their part. Everybody stepping up and stepping in, serving and giving and praying and saying, yes, I believe today in Preston that the gospel is still transforming lives. I believe the church can be revitalized. I believe we can make a significant difference in our society. And all it takes is all of us collectively playing our part and saying, yes, I am in. And when we do that, we will see the re-evangelization of our nation. We will see the revitalization of the church and we will see the transformation of society. In Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.